All right, well, first of all, I'd like to just say uh, thank you again very much for uh, letting me uh, serve you as your pastor. Uh, it's, uh, it's always a privilege. You guys are my family's family. You are uh, really, truly family, and uh, I count it a real privilege to be the pastor of this church. As you know, um, 2020 has been a very unique and uh, interesting year, to say the least, and uh, it's clearly been a year of, uh, in, our, in our country of a lot of turmoil and, and uh, confusion and tension. Socially, with the pandemic, things have been so crazy for schooling and for uh, church, for entertainment, for everything has been changed. Politically, we all could agree that this year has been quite different, and uh, I've never seen tension so high in my life. Racially, whether you think it's a tension that is manufactured by the media or not, it is real. There's a lot of tension. And the sad thing is, is that it's caused division and disunity uh, and hostility, not only in our country, but in, in the church, in a lot of churches. To two pastor friends of mine in California, their churches, it's been really hard. They've really struggled. One of them even came up here with his wife to be mentored by my, my mother and father. They were so discouraged. And uh, people uh, really reacting in extreme ways, ways that are anything but Christian, and uh, confusing the culture war with the gospel war, I think, and uh, demonizing the other side. I have to say, I'm quite encouraged by our church. CTR, uh, it's, it's been pretty good thus far. I feel like people have really done well being uh, patient and working towards unity. But we have to be careful. As things drag on, uh, I think tensions do start to rise. Um, I feel like we're kind of at halftime. I feel like this is kind of the halftime talk uh, as we head into the, the second half of this, this thing. Things do, we do look and see, oh, it looks like light at the end of the tunnel, things maybe getting better. But uh, we feel like we're halftime, we're down a little bit, and as the, as the coach, you know, I want to say, hey, we need to stay steady and, and, and be on the game plan and, uh, and keep our heads. And uh, I talked at uh, the men's retreat a little bit about the, the kind of some be steady attitudes. James, you know, tells us that we, that we are to be steady. Let me read a few verses. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you, face, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness has its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Verse 12, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. I have all kinds of references to steadfastness and, and remaining steady from just about every epistle, but I won't go into them for, for time now. But we are not to waver as Christians. This is our blessing in Christ, steady lives. And it's our witness in the world. Uh, we, we don't have to freak out and start devouring each other, fretting about everything. We are steadfast in the Lord, steadfast in the task of the gospel. And, and here are th the three uh, 
be steady attitudes that I gave at the men's retreat. I want to remind us of them. First of all, the first be steady attitude is be aware of God. Sounds pretty obvious, but I think it's the first thing we forget. God is here. He is in all that's happening. He is present in our daily reality. We can forget it every day. Uh, I, I, I forget this so easy. I forget it on my way home for work when there's traffic and, uh, you know, I forgot the milk and the car is low on gas and I'm like, there's no God. I'm, I'm, I, I forget. I forget it when I wake up at night fretting and I can't sleep. And uh, I always remember the story of, of my dad's, uh, the pastor that he grew up under and uh, was a youth pastor at his church of Earl Lindley. He, he had uh, dreams sometimes, the pastor, just like uh, uh, Phil had a dream. But uh, he talks about once his, his wife saw him, she woke up and he was on the bed on all, on all fours on his knees and he had his arms like this on the bed. He was in, he, but he was kind of in a trance, kind of asleep. She said, Earl, what are you doing? And he said, shh. She said, what are you doing? He said, I'm holding up a pyramid of marbles. He was holding a pyramid of marbles and he couldn't let him fall. That's a pastor's dream. <laughs> we definitely forget it, I think, when life gets crazy. Um, it's easy to do when uh, we feel like we're in the middle of a pandemic and government overreach. We are a lot like the disciples in Mark 4, right? On the boat in the storm and they're freaking out. Jesus is in the boat with them. No, he's not here. And of course, they, they don't learn their lesson, right? They later get in the boat, and there's no bread, and they're freaking out again. And then, of course, we just saw in Mar you know, Peter cutting off the ear when Jesus says, enough, calm down. They can't seem to get it in their heads that they have the Lord with them. And that can be so true of us, because they're, they're just normal Christians. Uh, I think... Uh, the book of Revelation, if you remember when we went through it, the first thing it does, it talks about how they're in the tribulation, yet they're in the kingdom of God because Jesus is reigning. And then he shows the picture of Jesus standing there amongst the lampstands, amongst the churches, right? This great figure, the Son of Man. And then each letter to the churches says, I know, I know what you are going through. I know your situation. I know the evil you're amongst. I know he's there. And we have to remember that in times like this. He's with us. He knows what's going on. Even with all the government and political stuff, right? He's in it. Let me read you Romans 13, the first few verses. Oops, I'm in Corinthians 13. Let me just read this to you. That's what it says. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no, no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. He set up all the authorities. He's in control of everything that happens in our government right now. He's in total control of this pandemic. 
If we didn't learn that in Mark, that he's in control of leprosy and paralysis and the weather and even the fever inside Peter's mother-in-law, he has it all. And here's the thing. He uses even the worst things for his most glorious work, doesn't he? You can think of that throughout the whole Bible, right? Joseph, think of his life. The story of, of, of Pharaoh and the slavery in, in Egypt. Lazarus, of course, the cross. So we need to be steady by being aware of God. This brings me to the second be steady attitude, and that is be loving. This doesn't sound like an element of steadiness. We think of steadiness and we think of being strong and resolved and ready to fight grounded in our convictions, focused on our vision. But Christian steadiness is actually grounded in love. The church at Corinth is the perfect example of this. You read the beginning of it, they're freaking out, they're dividing because of all the pressures that are on them, political and cultural. They start fighting and dividing even claiming I'm of so-and-so and I'm of so-and-so. And you read on about how they have every gift, that they are this incredibly gifted church with music gifts and speaking gifts. But yet, they're so divided. Why? Well, Paul finally says it in 1 Corinthians 13. He says they have no love. And he, and he talks about the, the elements of love there, doesn't he? This is what he says about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It does not insist on its own way. It is not uh, irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love is patient and it's kind. Being patient, what is that? It's about forbearance. It's about stead steadiness, where you are able to take a hit and absorb it. That's what patience is about. When we lose our patience, we are done with steadiness. Ask my kids about dad when he loses his patience. He's no longer very steady. How are you doing with loving patience? But the other side of it is kindness. Not only are we able to absorb, but we're able to give out. We're able to serve. You want to be strong and steady? Get your eyes off yourself, off self-protection, off being right, off getting your own way. And your eyes onto others and how to serve them. That's what we need to think about when we think about these. Love doesn't insist on its own way, even if you're sure your way is right. It serves, it sacrifices right and pride to serve the other. This is our Savior. While we're yet enemies, He went to the cross for us, absorbing and serving. So if we're to be steady in our gods, 
We need to be steady, of his, aware of him, steady in love. And finally, we need to be steady on mission. That's the third be steady attitude, be missional. I think the number one problem with Christians right now during this, uh, this whole pandemic and political upheaval is distraction. It's losing the plot. People are sidetracked by other agendas, fighting the cultural war, fighting for personal liberties before the task of the gospel. They're either doing that or they're doing nothing. They're on a giant pause from church and everything else from the gospel mission. But there's absolutely no reason for this. We should be even more engaged. I was going to read, I won't read it because it's long, but one of my profs in college in 2009 wrote a book and he talks about, it starts with, picture a worldwide pandemic where everything gets shut down. And you're not able to meet as a church anymore, except in groups of three or less. And then he talks about what would you do? And then he goes on about all the opportunities for discipleship that could happen out of that. I'll, I have it right here if you want to read it later. 2009, he did that. We have incredible opportunities to reach out in discipleship. These restrictions... They don't stop you from meeting with somebody to meet with them one-on-one -on -one in discipleship. They don't stop you from meeting with your children, from training up in your homes. What a time we have. I was talking to, to Russ, and he was telling me that his family sits down to watch the services, and they get little thin, and they sit him on the couch. It's time to sit down, and when it's song time, he has his little maraca, and he can stand up, and he sings in front of the screen, and then he sits down, they say, pay attention, and he listens to Gunkle Carey, as he calls me, <laughs> preach the sermon. They're training him. What a time. What a time to meet with your teenager. With the fear of, uh, you know, of the pandemic and the uncertainty of America's political future, what an opportunity to speak of the real and solid hope of the gospel about your true citizenship and how that gives you a steadiness with the confusion over race and injustice what an opportunity to share our identity in Christ that's for all and the real justice and mercy of the cross we need to be steady by being on mission together we need to be steady by being aware of God. We need to be steady by loving one another. That's what will stand out in a time like this for the gospel. And I want to add one last one, and that is we need to be thankful. One of the best defenses against fear and panic and anxiety that leads to kind of unstableness in our life is ingratitude. If you're here at Thanksgiving, Trevor gave a fantastic talk on Philippians 4.4. We talked about hand your anxieties over and be thankful and have peace. Right? It's not circumstantial that bring peace. It's actually thankfulness that brings peace. Thankfulness for all that we have in our Savior in a time like this. We need to count our blessings. We have a real hope. And, uh, and it, should, uh, it should steady us.